Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. We as audiences only get to see the final products of our favorite shows like Star Trek. But there are tons of unknown moments and techniques that contributed to making the shows and films that we adore. This list will be looking at uncovered secrets from behind-the-scenes productions of Star Trek revealed through interviews, books, and documentaries with cast and crew members. Some of these reveals make you rethink entire storylines, but others are just fun trivia. With that being said, I'm Brie from Trek Culture, and here are 10 obscure Star Trek secrets that took years to discover. Number 10. The Theme Song's Lyrics the original series theme song, composed by Alexander Courage, is one of the best in Trek. It's fast-paced, fun, and otherworldly, totally perfect for the show. However, many don't know that the theme song actually has lyrics. Not only the voiceover of Captain Kirk, but actual lyrics. Gene Roddenberry wrote these lyrics in order to legally receive 50% of the royalties for the song, despite the fact that the lyrics were never used. He was actually pretty unapologetic about this fact, stating, I have to get money somewhere. I'm sure not gonna get it out of the profits of Star Trek. The lyrics were hastily written, as they were never actually intended to be used, but seemed to be framed from the perspective of Kirk's long-lost lover he left on Earth to explore the stars. The story was mentioned in the reference book Inside Star Trek, The Real Story, published in 1997. Number 9. The Arguments Over the Dominion War Nowadays, the Dominion War is considered to be one of the most exciting time periods in Star Trek history by many fans of Deep Space Nine. But the writers, Iris Stephen Bear and Ronald D. Moore, had to fight hard to include it in the show. Early on, executive producer Rick Berman wanted the Dominion War to be over within three to four episodes at most. Berman thought that the drawn-out war arc would be too depressing and violent for Star Trek, but more rebuttaled, telling him that wars are supposed to be depressing and violent. But what was most upsetting to Berman was his belief that the war storyline went against Gene Roddenberry's vision for the franchise he created, specifically his strong desire to keep the stories optimistic and for Star Trek to be a hopeful look at what the future could be like if we did things right. Nobody can know what Gene would think of the Dominion War as he passed away before the series began, but his former wife, Majel Barrett, criticized the arc in a letter written to Star Trek magazine, claiming that Gene would never have approved. During an AOL chat in 1999, Berman spoke about how he agreed with Barrett that Gene probably wouldn't have loved the Dominion War, but said that he was now happy with how it had turned out. Number 8. The Rebooted Gorn 
The merciless reptilian hunters known as the Gorn have only appeared in Star Trek a few times, but whenever they show up, they've proven to be a worthy adversary for the Federation. The Gorn first appeared in the classic original series episode Arena, in a sadly dated costume that didn't do much to sell them as a legitimate threat, though the costume was impressive for the time. But still, the Gorn, a reptilian race stronger than humans, were compelling enough that the writers decided to bring one back in Star Trek Enterprise, which somehow managed to look worse. The early CGI work was, again, impressive for the time, but absolutely hilarious in retrospect. However, many fans don't know that another reboot of the Gorn was planned for Trek, specifically for the 2009 reboot film. According to Star Trek's magazine special in 2014, the Gorn were designed by Barney Berman and his company, the Proteus Makeup FX team, to appear in a scene at the Rorapenthe prison colony. The scene was eventually cut, so sadly we never got to see the full updated look of this new Gorn. Finally, over a decade later, the Gorn returned in the Lower Decks episode, Veritas, looking like a cartoonish version of their original design. And we also got the Strange New Worlds episode, All Those Who Wander. The Gorn in that episode were younglings, seen battling to the death to decide who's the Alpha, and their design greatly resembled the Velociraptor-like appearance of the Enterprise Gorn, albeit with much more convincing lighting and movement. After the disappointment of not seeing the Gorn at all when they returned in Memento Mori, this was a very welcomed callback. Number 7. Garrick's Secret Love for Bashir Unfortunately, good LGBTQ representation was very difficult to get past media executives when Deep Space Nine was airing because many in charge feared the backlash it would generate. This is why, despite Andrew Robinson, the actor who played Garrick, and the writers both wanting Garrick to be portrayed as queer, we never saw it on screen. However, Andrew Robinson did state that his iconic performance of Garrick on the show was inspired by queer culture, and that he actively tried to portray him crushing on Dr. Bashir, which really does clear a lot up in retrospect. He confirmed the latter explicitly in the Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, stating, At first he just wanted to have sex with him. That's absolutely clear. He also said in the past, I started out playing Garrick as someone who doesn't have a defined sexuality. He's not gay. He's not straight. It's a non-issue for him. So while it took far too long for Star Trek to include its first LGBTQ characters, it's interesting to speculate on whether Garrick truly did have these deeper feelings for Bashir, as Robinson claimed. Number 6. The Original Plans for the Borg as most fans know, the Borg were introduced in the Next Generation episode Q-Who, in which Q transported the Enterprise-D into Borg space to give humanity a taste of what horrors awaited them in deep space. However, less people are aware that the Borg were actually planned to be introduced several episodes prior in the Neutral Zone. In the episode, Starfleet and the Romulans were investigating their colonies that were destroyed near the Neutral Zone. We never learned who destroyed these colonies, but when the Enterprise-D entered Borg space in Q-Who, scans revealed that a planet destroyed by the Borg was destroyed in exactly the same manner as the Neutral Zone colonies. Star Trek The Next Generation companion reference books explain that the Borg were originally planned to appear in this episode, kickstarting a three-episode trilogy in which the Borg would be introduced as the new main enemy of the Federation, prompting the Romulans to join forces with them to save the entire Alpha Quadrant. The book goes on to explain that these plans were postponed and then later changed due to a writer's strike in 1988. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Number five, the reason for the Next Generation's uniform redesign. Star Trek's Next Generation uniforms were redesigned in the third season, changed from the tight-fitting one-piece style jumpsuit into a more comfortable two-piece collared jacket and pants combination. A look that more fans would prefer, as it just looks more comfortable and more like something that people would actually want to wear into work every day. According to Patrick Stewart in many interviews over the years, the old uniforms didn't just look uncomfortable, they were actually causing him severe back pain. He even said in an interview with BBC Radio 1 that there were talks of a possible lawsuit suit if the uniforms weren't fixed. Some cast members even stated that the material of the old uniforms was causing them to overheat under the studio lights. The new uniforms, designed by the show's new costume designer, Robert Blackman, not only looked way better, but were also way more comfortable for the cast. Number 4. The Reason Nichelle Nichols Decided to Stay Nichelle Nichols had to deal with a lot of racist harassment during the first season of the original series, and later even learned that studio executives were hiding her fan mail. Nichols justifiably wanted to leave the show at this point, but changed her mind after a chance encounter with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. She told Dr. King about her desire to leave the show, but he convinced her to stay, telling her that Ahura was one of the few black characters on television that wasn't stereotyped and that was treated as an equal on the cast. This random encounter with one of the most influential civil rights leaders in history helped Nichols realize the importance of her role on the show. Nichols didn't publicly recall the story until an interview with the Television Academy Foundation in 2011, in which the story soon went viral. Number 3. The Origin of the Constellation Class The Battle, an episode of The Next Generation's first season, introduced us to the USS Stargazer, one of Picard's old ships. The Stargazer was abandoned after a devastating battle against unknown attackers, who were later revealed to be the Ferengi. In the episode, the Ferengi salvage the vessel and use it to lure Picard into a trap as revenge for him killing the Ferengi years ago. However, the ship in this episode was originally supposed to look very different. The book, Star Trek The Next Generation Companion, revealed that the original script described the Star 
Stargazer S Constitution class, the same kind of vessel as Kirk's Enterprise. By the time the production team decided to change the model of the ship, they had already filmed several scenes where characters like Wesley and Geordi refer to the ship as a Constitution class vessel. So the actors re-recorded their lines as Constellation class, and the new takes were placed over the old footage. The name Constellation was chosen because it sounded so similar to the word Constitution, so the overdubbing is not super noticeable. But if you look for it, you can still tell that Geordi is definitely saying a Constitution class starship. Number 2. The Argument Over the Upside Down Enterprise The original Enterprise went through a lot of changes before the production team finally settled on the classic design that we all know today. Matt Jeffries, the lead designer behind the ship, considered a ring-shaped ship, which later became canonized as the Enterprise XCV-330, and a more familiar design, but with a sphere replacing the saucer. This is also the design that inspired the Daedalus-class ships. Eventually, however, they settled on the shape of the ship, but one of the weirdest arguments between Jeffries and Gene Roddenberry was over the orientation of the model. Star Trek The Magazine Volume 1, Issue 10 included an interview with Matt Jeffries where he recalled showing Roddenberry the model for the first time. He said that the model, unbalanced due to its weird shape, flopped upside down from the strings it was hanging from. Apparently, Gene loved the look of the Enterprise upside down, and Jeffries had a really difficult time trying to unsell him on it. Jeffries fortunately won the argument in the end because, let's face it, flipped Enterprise just looks really wrong. Number 1. The Enterprise Model's Bad Side the special effects team behind the original series had to use a lot of strange and creative methods to save money on the show. For example, the main physical model of the original Enterprise was only ever filmed from its right side. This is because the special effects team decided to run electrical wiring along the left side for the lights, and keeping the left side hidden proved to be easier than trying to hide the wiring. The Enterprise was mostly seen from its right side on the show and for promotional photos, but when it needed to be seen from the left side, the video was mirrored and the lettering on the hall was replaced with reverse decals so that the text could be read normally. There's very little information online about the model's left side, but you can find images of the wiring in the reference book To Boldly Go, Rare Photos from the TOS Soundstage Season 2. Additionally, the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. acquired the model in 1974, and Margaret Whitecamp, a curator at the museum, talked about the lack of detail on the left side in an interview with the Washington Post in 2017, shortly after the model went through a full restoration at the museum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.